My biggest fear would be when the first comes and I don't get the rent. I found that my tenant had dumped concrete down my toilet. Can you believe fair housing? Find me $5,000 for that? How do you onboard your tenants? What do you do? I don't even know if I do it right. If you're a landlord, don't just rent. Rent Perfect. The Rent Perfect podcast with property expert and private investigator, David Pickrell. Well, welcome to episode two of the Rent Perfect podcast. Um, hey, we're not messing around here. This is episode two, but we're bringing in big hitters. And I have with me today, Jake Beeson, who uh, property manager, owns Beehive Property Management. Jake, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. This is great. Man, I'm telling you what, you're a wealth of knowledge. And I've always looked up to you and I always think this, this guy knows renting property in and out. He does it every day. And, you know, the Rent Perfect Nation out there, you know, that's watching this might have one property, two properties, 10 properties. But I love to bring on people that have 500, 1,000 properties that they manage because they see so much more. I mean, obviously, it's numbers. And so I'm looking forward to, to talking today about, you know, not necessarily the real estate business because we all think we're in the real estate business. Right. but but we're really in the people business. And I want to talk to you about people today, the people that we're going to look to to take care of our investments. So super, super grateful to have you, and, and thanks for coming on to the show. And just tell us a little bit about what you do every day and what you see, and we'll kind of get into to really benefits how we can help the people watching this podcast. Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks for having me. And I often tell people, if you have a question or want to talk about property management, call me because I can talk about this stuff all day long. And so it's great to be here and uh, talk about these things. But what you said is, is exactly right. It really is about managing people. I spoke to one of my competitors one day, another property manager, and he said, you know, so the thing about this business is it really is managing people. Yeah. Because in a traditional form of investment, maybe a stock or a bond, you get all the information you can. You read a 300-paid prospectus and you try to decipher what's going on in there. And then you decide, okay, that's where I'm going to put my money. In the property management business, you're really putting your money into a seven-page contract with another human being. And you really have to research as much as you can and get some, some insight into who your business partner is and who you're renting to because that's the person and the family that's going to drive your investment. And no two people are the same. Exactly. Right? And so, you know, we're going to have a, maybe a podcast later about, about background checks and about stuff. But there are certain things that we probably look for as landlords prior to even getting there. And uh, tell me some of those things that you look for. Say you're going to meet someone out on property Tell me about your eyes. Where are your eyes? Where are your ears? You know, what are you thinking about? Yeah, it's great. And it's interesting to show properties because when someone comes to look at a property, and in my opinion, they've already gotten past a couple of hurdles. These days, with the amount of information available on the internet, by the time they come to look at a property and have a personal interaction with somebody, that's kind of an uncomfortable thing. You don't want to go out of your way to have an interaction with a person you don't know. But what that means to us is they're comfortable with the neighborhood because they've seen it on Google Maps. They know where it is. And they're comfortable with the price because you wouldn't waste that amount of time and energy going to look at a house that you can't afford or doesn't meet your needs. Right. So that really is a telling transaction when you get there with people. And so we try to watch really closely the whole situation. We look at the car that they're driving. We look at the clothes that they're wearing. Uh, you know, we're looking at their watch. We're looking at their shoes. I know that's how the old school guys say it. But we're paying attention to all those things. We had a property we rented the other day where uh, a family showed up. It was a man and a woman. And they looked at the house and they talked about where their furniture would fit. And they talked about this will be Jimmy's room and this will be Susie's room. Uh, they showed up and filled the application out. No man on the application, just a woman. She said she was single. 
well, that was weird for us because we thought, well, that guy sure acted like he was moving in. He was basically measuring for drapes, didn't show up on the application. Right. So that's something that we thought, and we didn't end up renting to that family because we couldn't get comfortable with what was going on. Right. You know, it's funny. You say you look at the car and you look at the shoes, and, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you're looking for the best shoes and no. the best car, right? Because, nope. you know, drug dealers, they have a ton of money, have nice cars, have a big, thick wad of cash, right? So it, it's almost like it has to fit the narrative. It has to fit the story. Um, you know, I always look at, you know, you know how they're going to take care of my properties, how they take care of their car. Yep. Right. I'm not saying it has to be Mercedes. I'm not saying it has to be any particular car. I'm looking at the condition, how it's taken care of. And I can know that that's that's, you know, maybe their cleanliness level or or their maintenance level. And I can expect the same thing, you know, with my couple hundred thousand dollar property that I certainly want people to take care of. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know. If, I'm sure you're I don't know if you remember me hearing this, David, but years ago I was in a seminar that you gave and you said something to the effect of, you know, someone who may be a bad renter who's had struggles in the past is going to put on their best clothes and they'll even borrow a nice car to come meet with you to put their best foot forward because they know that maybe if you do a background check or dig a little deeper, you're going to find out that maybe they're not the best tenant for your investment. But I've tried to take that to heart and that was many years ago. And we try to watch things like that. We try to look for red flags. Another thing we've had happen is we'll have someone show up to look at a property and they smell like smoke and we don't, typically rent to folks who smoke because it's bad for our houses. Right. And if someone shows up and they smell like smoke, well, there's several facets to that. Do they work in a bar? Maybe, but lots of bars don't allow indoor smoking anymore. Do they work at the casino? Maybe that could be the case. Do they work in the back of a barbecue restaurant? Maybe that could be the case. But in this case, it was cigarette smoke. One of my coworkers happens to have grown up in a situation where her family was smokers. And she said, Jake, that's cigarette smoke. That person put on the application that, that they did not smoke and no one in their household smoked. Well, we couldn't square that with what we saw meeting that person, and so we didn't rent to them. And it's possible we missed out on a great renter, and it's possible that there was a perfectly good explanation for that. But as you mentioned, this is a north of $200,000 investment. We got to avert risk when we can. Well, I've been in those situations where they say, well, I'll only smoke on the back patio or in the backyard or outside. And, and you know, lo and behold, when I get those properties back, Every single time there's just that, that smell that is so hard to get rid of on a right. rehab. So, and that's why so many of us don't allow smoking in our property. Um, I want our listeners to know that every time somebody comes to apply or see your property or have communications with you, they're going to be nice. I have so many of our clients call and go, you know, I'm in this situation, but when I showed them the property, they were, they were so nice. I, I just, my gut said, man, I wanted to give them a shot and a chance. And, and that's great. But, you know, you see on TV you know, like you watch the news one night and they're like, hey, we just found the baseline serial killer. He was the nicest guy. He was the nicest guy. They go talk to the neighbor next door and they're like, they got the wrong guy. I was just barbecuing him with last My night. My kids trick-or-treated over there. Right, exactly. So you can't base your pre-screening off of whether someone is nice or not nice. The reality is, is I'd rather someone just be more all business than trying to be my friend. Right. You know, come in with your construction boots on, a little dirt on you. You just got off the job. Maybe you're tired. Hey, I'm looking for a place. This is what I can afford. This is what, and just kind of be straight with me. Don't try to be too nice. Don't buy to, try to be too friendly. You know, um, I, I think that all property managers or even, even investors that, that are landlords, they, we should deem them as private investigators. I mean, they should be looking for more than just what's on an application. Yeah, you got to, when I was in school and would, would play sports, the coach would say, keep your head on a swivel. 
which is code for you got to look all around you because you got to make sure you're taking in all of the action and know how you should respond to that. Well, as you mentioned, you have to have a little bit of private investigator when you're turning the keys over to an expensive and valuable investment to someone. You have to have your head on a swivel. You have to be watching for flags and listening to things they say and the way they say them. Another thing we see is we we tell our clients and we try to keep the policy is that we don't rent to pushy people. So if someone calls us seven times over the weekend on a house that we just put on the market, something's going on in their life that they have to have something right now, right now, right now. And they've decided that they should be at the front of the line. Uh, we had a gentleman call once and was really upset with us because he hadn't received a call back on that particular property. Given today's market conditions, we had over 80 leads on that property. And we have a lead capturing system that tells us every call and email we get, it feeds into a system and we can see how many leads we got. He was the 87th person to call in that house. And he called five or six times. And the well, 88th and the 89th. Yeah, and the exactly. 90th. And the 94th <laughs> and 96th. Exactly. But um, what we look at is we say, hey, how are they going to be as a tenant? If they call and say, hey, David, my name's Bill. I'm looking for a rental. Uh, my wife and I are relocating for a job. We found your rental. We'd love to come check it out. Okay, do you smoke? No, I don't smoke. I don't have any dogs. I have a good job. Great. If he calls seven times over the weekend, that's what he's going to do when there's a sink that's leaking or a toilet that's broken. Now, there are emergency repairs, but do you want to deal with that personality type for the next three years? It'll make you crazy. No, absolutely. And so we're constantly screening the way everybody acts when they call the first time, when they visit, all that stuff. And that's even when they're supposed to be on their best behavior. Exactly. Right? Because I've had those, those you know, tenants that will call me because the sprinkler head broke in the front yard. A light bulb needs to be changed. And I'm like, you know, guys in your lease, anything under $50 is yours to, to maintenance. So right. I'm not your maintenance man, and I refuse to do this. And if this is going to be the relationship, this relationship's got to end. Right. Because I'm, I'm not in the business of being your personal maintenance man. So if you can see that, before you move them in, good on you because you're going to save yourself a lot of headache. Right. And there are things that break and need to be fixed, and that's no problem. But if someone is, if, if in our estimation someone is pushy up front, they're going to act that way when a sprinkler head breaks. Well, a sprinkler head breaking is, it does need to be fixed. Right. It's going to waste some water over time. Right. But it doesn't need to be fixed on Christmas Eve at 9 p.m. It's okay. It can go till tomorrow. It's not going to change. But if that person calls our maintenance line four times and, oh, my gosh, this is unacceptable. I have to have somebody out here today. Well, maybe we missed that. So, so Jake, you know, because a lot of our listeners aren't a management company. So this brings up a great point is, is what do you feel is your responsibility and what do you feel is, is the renter's responsibility? Because we as individual landlord owners have our jobs. We have our day jobs, right? right? We're not working this full time. And I would tell all of my viewers, listen, you're not fixing that small stuff. Would your management company come out and fix a sprinkler head? Yes, only because it wastes water. And there are certain systems that we don't want tenants working on. And I don't mean that to say that tenants aren't handy. Most people could figure that out. Between YouTube these days and, you know, dollar store tools, you can fix almost anything. Right. However, um, in answer to your question about who fixes what, a lot of it goes back to the lease document which is critical and which lots of investors or clients that I deal with or what I call um, amateur landlords, meaning they don't, aren't paying someone to do it, they're doing it themselves. Sometimes their lease documents don't contemplate these things. Who changes light bulbs? Well, it's not in there. Well, write that in your lease. Right. For us, it's light bulbs, smoke detector batteries are the two big ones, 
However, a couple of things we don't usually want tenants working on are sprinkler systems because they can be a little bit technical and there's a lot of moving parts. And we don't want any tenants trimming trees because it's not safe. Right. I don't want you on a 10-foot ladder with a saw with no workman's comp coverage. Right. And it, it just isn't safe. And so, but we do uh, ask tenants to take care of light bulbs and smoke detector batteries. Perfect, perfect. You know, and then one other thing I really think about is is you are actually looking for, when you're looking for a new tenant, you call them clients. I call them business partners. Right, interesting. Because really, you know, you've got a 200,000, 300,000, maybe 100,000, depends where you're at in the United States, right. asset, right? That you're actually partnering up with somebody to take care of. Right. And I can think of no other business where you just hand somebody with no training that big of an asset to manage. Would you do that with right. a mutual fund manager who yeah. just yeah. his first day out of college, hey, I want right. you to manage my nest egg. Right. You'd so say, no, I want somebody that knows what they're doing. Right. So when I look at somebody that's renting one of my places or applying for one of my places, I'm really looking to them as a business partner. And you're a business owner. I'm a business owner. You don't just partner with anybody as a business owner. Well, think right? of how many sales calls you get. I know I get a lot from, and in my business, I get calls from plumbers and roofers and electricians who want to have us hire them to do services. 90% of them I don't do business with. True. And that's because without any experience with them and know how their work is, we have to know how they bill and all those sort of things. But it's the same thing in finding a tenant. I mean, you're signing a seven or eight page lease document, but that may not mean anything when the water's running down, this, when the water's on the floor. Right, right. So it's important to get somebody who you think, hey, can I work with this person? Do they have a personality such that's reasonable? Will they call in a reasonable amount of time when something breaks? Will they give us a reasonable amount of time to fix it? But I've had conversations with our tenants before and said, hey, this isn't really a friendship-style relationship. If we were friends, we wouldn't need a seven or eight or nine-page lease agreement to right. govern our relationship. Right. So... You know, I look at our clients and say, hey, there are some things that with the right processes in mind that we can get a little lazy on. For example, we could we could set up a, a rent automatic rent pay. It goes from your bank account to my bank account, yep. and it kind of automatically happens, and we can set some things on autopilot. But the time to be diligent, to not get lazy, is this upfront look at your prospective business partner. Agreed. This is the time out of all the times in the relationship to, to really stand up and say, I'm going to pay attention and put some time into this. It's at the very beginning. This is such a big relationship that you're about to get into. It's not just, Hey, let's just throw some of the keys and see if they work out. I don't manage like that. I want, I want almost a guarantee it's going to work out and there's never that guarantee. Right. But I want as close to that guarantee that if I can find the right business partner, I could almost put the rest of it on autopilot for years, Jake. For Agreed. years, a lot of my renters, and I don't have a lot of communication. I might see them if I'm lucky once a month, even if that, the way they pay their, their online payments, it's right? It's electronic now. And so I can spend my days running my companies. I can spend my days with my family on vacation, and I don't have a lot of headache if I take that time you know, to find that right person up front. And, and we're in an economy right now, you know, it's, it's 2019. We're in, we're in Arizona right now. You know, a lot of these, a lot of our clients are all over the country. We right. don't know their markets right now, but the economy is pretty dang good right now. And why take the first person, you know, why take the first person? Let's take the best person and let's, let's guarantee that we're going to have a great experience with our rentals. Because if you're buying your first rental, 
and you don't do this correctly, you're not going to be in this business very long. It might be your last rental. It might be your last rental. Not because they're going to damage it or burn it down, but because you're going to want to get out. Well, Jake, I really appreciate it today. I love, I love this conversation. I love just talking with someone who's so experienced and, and love your stories and your, your insights. And I think our viewers um, really appreciate everything you have to add to this. And just want to thank you again for coming by. Is there anything you'd like to close with? Any words of advice that you'd like to give uh, our Rent Perfect Nation at all? Well, yeah, I, I agree with just uh, taking off on what you said is that it's hard to turn down a renter. You know, this is your investment. This is your nest egg. You've probably had a lot of sleepless nights about buying this rental house and deciding this is the best investment for you at this time. When someone shows up and wants to rent it, it's exciting. Wait, you want to rent my place? Right. I'm so excited. But that's the probably the most critical bottleneck you have to put in place in your business is you have to be careful who you rent to. But as regular people that maybe without as much experience as you or I have, it's easy to rent to someone you shouldn't because you're so excited. So it takes a lot of courage to say, you know what, I didn't feel it. I don't think that's the right person. And so it's, it's, it's a tough thing. There's no easy answer to it, but you got to work at it and do research and listen to podcasts like this one, and, and everybody can do it. Property managers aren't geniuses. They just maybe have a few more systems and processes and experience. But anybody can do it right. So real quick, on my first, on my first rental, I had a mortgage due. Right? I'm not buying these things cash. Right. So the first person showed up and said, hey, I, I'll take it. It was really hard for me to say no because, okay, I've got my mortgage payment paid. So don't get caught into that, you know, that trap. If, if you don't have a couple mortgage payments in the bank, then you might have bought your property at the wrong time. Right? So don't get desperate, I think is what right, we're saying. exactly. Do it right the first time. Hey, Jake, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Uh, we're wrapping up episode two of Rent Perfect Podcast. We're grateful you're with us. And until next time, rent perfect.